Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. This is BRNAM for Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. And our top story today, the U.S. sustainable funds landscape in 2024. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Alyssa Stankowicz is with Morningstar. Alyssa, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is going to be a fun conversation. We have talked about ESG, sustainable investing on the network many, many times. This is an area that you have focused on in your most recent, uh, the Morningstar's most recent report. It's not just you, it's a team. It takes a village and these things. And let's start off with a basic question. Um, what's the lay of the land and the landscape when it comes to sustainable investing in 2024 in the United States of America? Well, I can tell you it has been nothing short of entertaining uh, to keep an eye on this landscape over the past few years. Uh, it's been quite a roller coaster ride. So uh, as of, you know, as we're entering into 2024, I think we're at a little bit of an inflection point here. Uh, sustainable funds underperformed conventional peers in 2022, and then they saw some pretty significant outflows in 2023. That was their first year of outflows uh, in at least a decade. Uh, and going back farther than that doesn't really make sense, given how the landscape has evolved over the past five years. Uh, but today, you know, sustainable funds still have more than 300 billion in assets in them at the end of 2023. It's still a sizable uh, group of funds and investors that are looking to invest sustainably. So I think coming into 2024, investors maybe still have some questions about the difference between ESG, sustainability, impact, uh, but they're a lot more knowledgeable than they were a couple years ago and the space has become more sophisticated. Um, and so I think this year will be an interesting point to better define what these funds are doing and understand the role that they play in a performance-oriented portfolio. And and thanks for that. And, and net outflows, I mean, that happens in every asset class I, we've ever seen. I mean, it is not unique to sustainable investing, ESG. And, and would you agree or, or do you have a point of view? Is this a mature market? I mean, a lot of people, when, when sustainable investing became, I wouldn't say a thing, but became, uh, started to really to evolve and, and move, um, a lot of people, a lot of entrants. But over time, as it, what happens is you have regulation, you have consolidation. So would, would you define this just based on the analysis in the report that this is now a maturing or a mature market? The market is definitely maturing. So the timeline you know, that you're referencing in 2019 is when we really started to see flows pick up into sustainable funds. And then over the next couple of years, 2020, 2021, 20, well, not, I think, yeah, even in 2022, sustainable funds collected more in terms of uh, the organic growth rate. They did better than their conventional peers uh, at collecting net inflows. So 2023 was the first time in recent history that that trend reversed. Conventional peers actually saw inflows, sustainable funds saw outflows. And so that does, rec um, you know, that does reflect some maturity in the market and maybe some changing sentiment compared to where we were a few years ago. But like you're saying, uh, those 13 billion in outflows were still fairly minor compared to the overall assets of the market. So it's not as though we're seeing everybody that poured into these funds over the past couple of years suddenly running for the exits. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, these are natural occurrences in any market. Money moves back and forth for all sorts of reasons. Let's talk about the types of investors. And I want to split this between our two segments. Let's talk about institutional investors because, you know, based on what I've, I've read, uh, you're the expert here, but a lot of the institutional investors have really driven this market. We'll get to retail in, in, in the second segment, but when you look at the different segments, in particular institutional, how, how much have they driven uh, the adoption of sustainable investing and, and ESG? So that is not usually a way that we break out our research. I'll just start with that. But in terms sure. of the overall conversation about sustainable investing, uh, we're definitely seeing higher focus on institutional mandates uh, in terms of especially the backlash. Um, so different politicians or public figures that want to push back on institutions using ESG factors in their investment strategies is something that we've been watching. Um, that being said, when we looked at the 2023 breakdown, uh, if I recall correctly, institutional investors were actually a bit more moderate in their flows in 2023. And most of the outflows that we saw were actually coming from the retail share classes. We break this down by share classes, not by specific investors, but um, in terms of sort of the broad direction of things, what we saw in 2023 was more a story of retail investors than institutional. Yeah, a really good segue. I know we, we timed that perfectly, Alyssa. I want to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to pick up the conversation with retail investors. What are they looking for and how has the market responded? You're going to want to stay tuned right here on VRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Alyssa, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, and, and as I told you and, and, the, and the audience, we've not yet lost a guest and so happy to keep that, uh, that record intact. Let's talk about, let's pick up the conversation, talk about retail investors. And, and um, 
how have they responded? It, it seems like everything I read from Morningstar and others, retail investors are definitely intrigued. They're interested. Uh, but how do the flows align to uh, you know the anecdotal evidence that I read? Yeah, so I definitely think one of the main drivers we're seeing of flows in recent history uh, is going to be about performance expectations. Retail investors want to make sure that their nest eggs are being well taken care of and set away for retirement. So um, performance is always a key consideration. And I think what we saw in 2022, you know, the headlines were all sustainable funds underperformed conventional peers. And that's true. But the other way of looking at that is understanding that sustainable funds also performed generally how you would expect. Most sustainable funds have a sustain have a structural underweighting to the energy sector. So if the energy sector is leading markets, you would expect these funds to underperform. Really, for them to do the opposite, I think, would be concerning for a lot of investors. Um, and so I think that's just more information for investors that are looking at a longer time horizon. And, um, you know, it, it really comes down to the assumptions that an investor has about whether the energy sector is going to keep leading markets the way they did in 2022, or whether they think these long-term structural drivers like climate change, the energy transition, social inequality, immigration, are going to be the things that are leading markets over the next couple of decades. And let's talk about the regulatory structure. And I, I seem to recall last year that the Department of Labor issued specific rules, I think, allowing non-pecuniary factors is the term. And again, I'm not an attorney, but that's just the recollection I have so that it would allow retirement investor, uh, you know, rec retirement plans to adopt these types of products. How has the regulatory apparatus helped or hurt the adoption of these types of investments more broadly? So I think answering that question um, requires us to go back a little bit in history. If you're looking at the stance from regulators about ESG or socially responsible investors, it has honestly flip-flopped quite a few times over the past few decades. So I think that one of the main um, factors facing retirement plans today is just uncertainty about whether the current stance is going to remain the stance if the uh, presidential leadership changes, again, uh, given that it's an election year. So I think there, you know, the most recent guidance from the DOL certainly, uh, I think, was pretty well received by the market in that ESG factors shouldn't um, come before financial considerations, but they could be the tiebreaker. And I think that was regarded as very sensible by a lot of practitioners. Um, that being said, we haven't necessarily seen strong flows into the sustainable target date strategies that we have. We have a few more offerings than we did a couple of years ago, but it's still pretty small. And I think that's just reflective of retirement plan sponsors being pretty cautious about getting in trouble with any of the regulators. Yeah, and, and the retirement industry, by the way, is very glacial. So adoption takes quite quite some time as I'm sure you and your well, it's a long time horizon it is so it, it, it kind of makes sense <laughs> it does yeah. it is um last question I want to talk about uh grading uh scoring and and that's an area that I think maybe our European counterparts are maybe a little bit ahead of us but grading and scoring you know Morningstar is well known for its scoring and rating system um but that's important too to a lot of investors how these funds get scored and I can imagine 
you know, it's like moving in three dimensions, scoring these products or evaluating these product, products. It's not as simple as you said with return. There are other things that have to go into that. How important is grading to both retail and institutional investors? Sure. So I think there's a couple different ways to think about that. Um, first, I'll start off with the Morningstar Medalist rating. That's our flagship rating from our manager research analyst team. And it's a forward-looking rating that tries to identify um, strategies that have a chance of outperforming peers and benchmarks over the long term. And under the Morningstar Medalist rating, I can say there are more than 300 sustainable funds that earn the higher ratings. That's the bronze, silver, or gold ratings. Um, and considering that's out of a universe of 650-ish sustainable funds, investors have pretty good options uh, in terms of the offerings that our manager research team thinks highly of. Yeah. We also have the ESG commitment level rating. So that's sort of the counterpart that's focused on sustainability credentials. So really, I think one way to use these ratings is together uh, to look at firms that are really strong on the sustainability side of things that are also offering strategies that have good chances about performing over the long term. And we have, I think, a dozen funds that we highlighted in the report that stack up really well on both metrics. Yep, it's that, you know, a lot of investors rely on grading. And as you said, it's it's a, it sounds to me like it's got to be three dimensions. It can't be this or that. You have to be thinking about things in, in multiple layers. Alyssa, we're going to have to leave it there. Great report. Thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thank you very much. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news on lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more to all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another great edition of BRNAM. We'll have a very special guest and, of course, a very important topic. Until then... Jeff Snyder, stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts, so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.